Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Beth Hill, and next week you will see me singing with the Chancel Choir. Let us, absolutely. <laughs> Let us now prepare our hearts for worship as we bow our heads for the prayer of invocation. May all your people find favor with you this day, God of majesty and power. Turn our sorrow into gladness and our mourning into a holiday, a holy day in which to praise you and find ways to help those less fortunate than ourselves. Lift us from our daily preoccupations that we may pray with earnest intent, both to thank you and to be changed by you. Let our prayers be powerful and effective. May our worship be alive and life-changing. May the service we extend find favor in your eyes, blessed God. Amen. Let us praise God through our worship.
in body or spirit, please stand for the responsive call to worship found on page three of your bulletin. Come, one and all, to meet God here. Let all who are suffering find hope in this place. Come, all who are weary and oppressed. God offers relief and enlists our mutual helpfulness. Come together to sing songs of praise to God. Give thanks for God's wondrous deeds. Let us worship God. to me all you who labor and are heavily burdened and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light let us confess our sins to God all-powerful God we confess our devious ways even when prayers for others are on our lips, we seek ways to secure our own advantages. We put our trust in things we can accumulate rather than aligning ourselves with your will and way. Our behavior creates enemies and multiplies divisions among your people. Then we want you on our side against those who are different from us. We confuse our preferences with your intentions. Oh God, we need healing, but are afraid to lose the illusions of control that are so much a part of us. We fear the very changes that would give us integrity. 
Help us, gracious God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Christ died for our sins. He made a full atonement for us. We are forgiven and we have the promise of eternal life. Feel that forgiveness in your heart. We are his children. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. affirm what we have said through the ages. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite the children to come forward as we take this time to greet each other in the name of Christ. to see you. Today is a special day, right? Because third graders are going to get their Bibles. Well, you know that a Bible is a very special book. And it reminded me of Good China. Because you know what Good China is? It's just very special plates and dishes and cups. 
Now, Pastor Mingy, let me borrow her china cup. But you know, I know some people who would never let anyone borrow their china. They would put it up in a box, up in the cabinet, locked away so that no one could use it because it was so nice. They would be worried about someone breaking it or messing it up. And I thought about our Bible and I go, gosh, our Bible is way more special than good china. And I think it would break God's heart if we put it up in a cabinet and only took it out one or two times a year for special occasions. Because you know, the Bible is where God helps us to know him better through all those stories of Jesus. So our hope is that you will take your Bible out every single day that you will read a little bit, that you will underline the things that are really important so when you come back, you'll see them again and again. And most of all, we hope that you just help, that the Bible helps you form a really special relationship with Jesus. So if you are in third grade, would you please stand up? I'm going to stand up too. <laughs> oh, and if you're the leader of I'm not these in third people. Grade. <laughs> So we have some Bibles to give away. Yeah, we do. We have Will Connor. <gasps> Will, congratulations. Trey Johnson. Trey, congratulations. Grayson Lynn. Grayson, congratulations. Tyler Salmon. Are you Tyler? Tyler, congratulations. Celie Luke. Celie Luke. Congratulations. Yeah, and is that, is there any other third graders in the audience that we've, in the congregation? Okay, oh, that is our third grade class. That yeah. is awesome. So before I pray, I just want to remind the parents of the third graders to go up with Miss Carol and all the kids for your Bible orientation. And also that Eric and Carol are going to do a little drop-in class, a, a Life Together group at 1015 up in the family room, which is the 208 number. So parents, any of you that want to drop in and do some Life Together, that'll be happening at 1015. Friends, let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of your word. Lord, help us to get to know you better. Give us a curiosity so that we might get those Bibles out and read them every day. We love you. Amen. And let's sing Jesus Loves Me as the kids leave. Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. We are delighted that you are worshiping today with us. Well, Pastor Steve is enjoying a nice weekend away, but he'll be back to work tomorrow and he will be here next Sunday, which is World Communion Sunday. We've got a great celebration planned in our worship, some special treats under the tree, and we would like to invite you to wear your native garb. Not your birthday suit, your native <laughs> garb, 
Uh, we're not doing the parade this year, but we would love to see splashes of those countries out in our congregation. Don't forget to buy your tickets for the very first Noontime Concert Series that is on October 13th. Your $10 ticket gets you a soup lunch in the Campus Center at 11.45, and then the concert is over in our newly remodeled chapel from 12.30 to 1. I know Genevieve has lined up a lot of great artists. There's one a month, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, tomorrow night, I believe, is our next trivia night, right, Susan? So you can come and exercise your brain, eat some pizza, have some fun. RSVP to Susan Neisler if you're going to join. I believe it starts at 5.30. As you heard Beth say earlier, we do want to thank our amazing quartet who have been leading us in worship for 18 months. Can we give them a big round of applause? And you heard that choir practice starts this week, 7.30, right here. You too can join, right, Genevieve? Yes, you all can join. Try it, it'll be a great way to um, be involved in our church. Well, our student ministry is having a retreat October 16th and 17th. So if you know a middle schooler or a high schooler, go to our website so that they can register there. If you have any questions about it, you can ask Connor Peters, and Connor and Gianna are going to give us a little update on family ministry. Yes, good morning. I have some exciting things that I want to share. You guys are probably going to be getting to see my face um, in the face of one of our incredible students about once a month as we are going to be sharing and keeping you updated on everything that is happening in family ministry. Uh, first off, I want to share that we uh, just had our annual volunteer training for all of family ministry from nursery up through student ministry. So all of our volunteers are now certified, they are trained, and uh, they know all of the proper techniques and procedures and making sure to keep our students first and foremost safe uh, when you entrust us uh, with them. Also, we are working on building out some other positions and some other serving opportunities. So whether you are interested in uh, serving once a month or once a quarter um, or potentially looking to get more involved regularly. Uh, there will be information kind of coming out in the coming weeks and months about different opportunities for you to get to come alongside of our students and serve um, and serve in our student ministry and also our children's ministry as well. And one thing that is super exciting um, that started with the school year is there is now an offering for all ages between, uh, or excuse me, during that 9 a.m. hour. So during the time of this service, um, from birth up through 18, there is a place for your child and for your student. Um, so that is super exciting. That's something that um, we want to celebrate, and it's just one of the ways that we are making sure that Sunday mornings are a family adventure and are a place for all of our families. Uh, we've been able, excuse me, regarding student ministry, We've been able to incorporate several service projects, um, such as serving in our food pantries, and students are continuing the different opportunities um, to get to serve in our food pantry regularly on their own. Also serve within tutoring as well, um, so there are plenty of different opportunities for that. 
Carol recently wrapped up uh, her summer series within children's ministry and has now gotten to start her fall series. And they're having plenty of fun upstairs. Of course, you just saw they got to celebrate third grade Bibles and now they're up there and those third graders are getting to learn all about their Bibles and the other students are getting to continue in their fall series. Um, so there's a lot going on and she's kickstarting that parent group today at 1015 as well for our parents. Um, student ministry got to have a paint war last week, which was a whole lot of fun. Um, it included just about everybody getting completely covered in paint, which was the goal. Um, so goal achieved. And that was just an opportunity for our students to come together, to be in community with one another, to have fun, to let off steam, to not feel maybe so stressed out um, from the stresses that life often give us. And then tonight, we're also getting to launch our, or excuse me, we're getting to continue our uh, monthly worship night. Um, we're still calling it a no-name Sunday. We haven't figured out what we permanently want to call it yet, but once a month, we gather on a Sunday evening for a youth service. And we started that this past summer, and the students really enjoyed it. They enjoyed getting to worship together. Uh, they enjoyed getting to uh, listen to a message. And so we are going to, uh, we've been continuing with that through the school year. And we have one of those tonight as well from 5.30 to 7.30 for all of our middle school students. And now Gianna is going to get to share something exciting that we're kind of testing out this semester um, for student ministry. But I'll let her tell, tell you all more about that. Hello, my name is Gianna Falbo. I'm a senior at Venice High School and I'm a part of the Palms Leadership Academy. Um, I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit today about our new home groups that we have. Other students and I were given the opportunity to test out these home groups this past week before making them accessible to all high school students start, starting in January. The purpose of these groups is to meet during the week outside of church, whether that may be at someone's house or going to get something to eat. We then discuss how you personally have implemented God in your daily routine or how you've seen the image of God through others or yourself. These groups are meant to be smaller in size so that we can form closer relationships with one another and dive deeper into faith, hoping to enlarge our connection with God. For me personally, going into the new school year, I have enjoyed seeing everyone that I may have not seen last year and restoring these old relationships. School comes with fun, but also feels like I'm stuck in a phase of stress and becoming overwhelmed with all the homework and college applications. I have found myself praying, something I do not do enough, hoping God would relieve me of these things that are out of my control using him as a foundation. These small groups are going to provide just that, a break from reality for our students here when some students may need it most. Thank you. Thank you, Gianna. We uh, will be getting to these updates with you. Uh, the last Sunday of each month is our goal. Um, so we'll be excited to see you all again next month as we share with you again, just some family ministry updates and all of the exciting things happening. But thank you for letting us share with you all this morning.
cross alone and all the world go free. No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. Let us continue to worship God in prayer. Most gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of life and for the love and grace with which you fill our days. We thank you for the church, the body of Christ in the world, and for our church's ministry and mission, loving you and loving neighbor. We ask your blessing upon us as individuals and as a gathered people of yours. May these blessings enable us to be a blessing in your name. Merciful God, we pray for those who are sick this day. May you grant them your healing mercies and restoration to wholeness of life here in this world, we pray. Gracious God, we remember those who are making their way home to you. May they feel your presence and peace on their journey home, we pray. Be with those who mourn this day, we pray. In this pandemic time, we pray for those who serve in medicine and caregivers at home. Give them all their skills, keep them safe, and let them know our gratitude for their hard work, we pray. Great God, we lift up to you all those caught in situations of violence, oppression, disaster, and want. We pray for leaders in the governments that oppress their own people and neighbors who that may come, be, touch them, we pray, so that they may become kind people as you intended them to be. O oh God, be with the leaders of all nations and be with those who are on the front lines for peace and justice, we pray. We remember all who need your care, especially the people of Afghanistan, Haiti, and Myanmar. We pray for the men and women in the armed forces of this nation, the humanitarian workers, and the missionaries near and far. 
now hear all our prayers spoken and unspoken to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now in worship, we have come to the moment of gratitude. We are grateful to God because God has already given us abundant grace and love. God blesses us even when we're not aware of it. We give our offerings and tithings back to God to express our thanks to God. There are baskets at the doors of the sanctuary and on page 13, we are also told how else we can give to God in response to God's love and grace. Let us remember and give generously.
Let us pray. Our most loving and generous God, in your love and grace we live and move and have our being. This day we are grateful and we re remember to bring our tithings and offerings to show you that we love you and we are grateful to you for all your blessings. Accept these and ourselves the givers so that your whole world may be filled with people who love you and live in your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. The scripture passage today is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 38 through 50. It should probably have a warning for mature audiences only. Hear now the word of God. 
John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the, re lose the reward. Jesus goes on to say, if any of you put a stumbling block before one of those little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, for it is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off, it is better for you to enter this life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, O Lord, to the word just read and the words to come that they might point to you, the word made flesh, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Can you think of some of the names that Jesus calls himself? In the Gospel of John, it, with the I am statements alone, Jesus refers to himself as the bread, the light, the door, the shepherd, and the vine. He is also called a lamb, and in Revelation, even a lion. So maybe it's not too much of a stretch for today if we call him the old salty dog. Salty Dog, as you may know, is a nickname for an ornery sailor who has spent much of his life aboard a ship at sea. Now, I wouldn't call Jesus ornery, but he could get a little feisty at times. As for salt, we just read, salt is good. Back in the day, of course, it was a food preservative necessary for life. Today, it adds flavor and zest to our food. Now, if we look at the dog side of this new title, we all know that dogs are loyal, and they have an intuitive sense that make them incredibly empathetic. One of my seminary professors, Andy Root, shared the story about the death of his family dog. Andy wasn't sure when he and his wife and their children, Owen and Maisie, would be ready for another dog, but he knew he wanted one. He wrote in his book, The Grace of Dogs, I wanted a dog who would celebrate Owen and Maisie's presence with excitement, always reflecting to them that they were beautiful and worthy of attention. I wanted a dog who would summon them into shared play, helping them rest in the knowledge that they are wonderfully made. 
Well, Jesus certainly celebrates our presence with excitement, and his consistent message to us is that we are wonderfully made in the image of God, which makes us beautiful and, oh, so worthy. So if Jesus can be a lamb or a rock or a lion, perhaps for today, he can be our old salty dog. Honestly, some of those things that Jesus says to us in this passage sound more than a little salty. In fact, they sound so outrageous, I think I have flipped right on by this passage several times in my life. Cutting off limbs, gouging out eyes, sound like the makings for a Quentin Tarantino movie or for one of those Halloween horror movies. I don't know about you, but I can't watch that stuff, let alone read about it. Ah, the Revised Common Lectionary. So here we are today with this scripture passage. So I had the opportunity to dig in a little bit to see if there was some sort of connection or application for our lives. It starts out, innocent enough, John whines to Jesus, teacher, someone else is doing good things in your name. And we tried to stop him because he doesn't go to our church. Jesus tells the disciples to not stop him and wisely says, anyone who is not against us is for us. The world needs all of us to do good. Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Well, we then move to the section that we would rather skip right over. Every warning that's attached to some sort of stumbling block has this little assurance. It would be better for you. Well, we do lots of things that are uncomfortable or unpleasant because it is better for us. For example, it is better for you to eat vegetables and to limit the ice cream Doritos and cookies. It is better for you to get the polio and measles vaccines, even though the shots may sting, rather than getting those diseases. It is better for you to get a good night's sleep, even though you might not want to stop binge watching your favorite Netflix series. So we get the concept, right? But Jesus uses some strong language to make his point. It would be better for you to be drowned with a large millstone tied around your neck rather than put a stumbling block before one of those little ones. Really, Jesus? Please, tell me more. Just who are these little ones and what kind of stumbling blocks? Well, in the passage from last week that Pastor Steve preached on, the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest. And what did Jesus do? He picked up a child. And he said, whoever welcomes a child in my name welcomes me. So these little ones are, of course, children, not unlike our third graders who received their very first Bible today. I read that little ones also refers to any who are vulnerable. In the history of the exegesis of this text, little ones has been defined as children, new believers, and those who are weak in faith. 
I took a course on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian who lost his life because of the plot to assassinate Adolf Hitler. About a decade earlier, when Bonhoeffer was serving as a pastoral intern, he was visited by a 10-year-old boy from his congregation. Breaking down and crying, the little boy explained that his beloved German shepherd, Mr. Wolf, had just died. The boy sobbed as he told his story, and with deep intensity, he asked, tell me, Herr Bonhoeffer, will I see Mr. Wolf again? He is surely in heaven, isn't he? The overly confident protege who had always been told that he had a brilliant answer for every theological question now sat humbled by the love of a boy for his dead dog. Finally, Bonhoeffer said, well, we know you loved Mr. Wolf. We know that God loves you. We know that God loves all animals. So yes, yes, I think you will indeed see Mr. Wolf in heaven, for I believe God loses nothing that God loves. God loses nothing that God loves. Jesus continues by moving beyond being a stumbling block for the little ones by talking about the amputation of the sinning members of the body. His language is harsh and certainly not to be taken literally. Scott Hosey met a man who had read our scripture passage from this day in Mark 9. The man recognized his proclivity to lust after pretty women by looking at them through his eyes, so he proceeded to take a knife and gouge out his right eye. Scott met this man, as you might imagine, in a psych ward, which is where you would expect to find men or women who had just cut off their hand or taken out on an eye on the account of Jesus' words in Mark 9. This particular man was suffering from schizophrenia. So why does Jesus use such exaggerated language? Perhaps he was trying to get the disciples' attention, to get our attention. There's no doubt that his words leave an impression. This hyperbolic language is actually used all the time. You know, I'm so hungry, I could eat a horse, or my mom's going to explode when she sees my grades. The purpose of hyperbole is to magnify what's at stake. It shouldn't be taken literally, but it shouldn't be dismissed either, because it points to a truth that must be heard and taken seriously. In all three of these examples, Jesus tells the disciples to get rid of whatever is in the way. Hands, feet, eyeballs. Chop them off, gouge them out. Better maimed than sent to hell. Now the Greek word for hell is Gehenna, which was a constantly burning garbage dump in the Valley of Hinnom outside of Jerusalem. Gehenna had a history as an evil place. In the Old Testament, we read about King Ahaz who instituted fire worship and the sacrifice of little children in the fire. Gehenna became the city dump where worms bred on the garbage and where it smoked and smoldered like a vast incinerator. 
It became the symbol of hell, the place where the souls of the wicked would be tortured and destroyed. Gehenna stood as the place of punishment, and the name alone struck fear in every Israelite. It would be better for you to get rid of the thing that causes you to stumble so you don't go to Gehenna, but rather so you have life. If we have cancer growing in our bodies, we cut it out. We know it has to come out or it will grow and destroy the whole body. Get rid of that which destroys and be more like the old salty dog. In an old Eastern fable, there was a man who possessed a ring set with a beautiful opal. Whoever wore the ring became so sweet and true in character that all people loved him. The ring was a charm that was always handed down from father to son. At last, it came to a father who had three sons whom he loved with an equal love. The father pondered what he should do when the time came to pass on the ring. Well, he decided to secretly have two other rings made, precisely the same, so no one could tell the difference. On his deathbed, he called in each of his sons, and he spoke some words of love to them, and he gave each one of them the ring without telling the others. Soon, the three sons discovered that they each had a ring, and a great dispute arose as to which was the true ring, which could mean so much for the one who wore it. The case was taken to a wise judge who carefully examined the rings and said, I can't tell which one is the magic ring, but you yourselves can prove it. For if it is true that the true ring gives sweetness of character of the man who wears it, then I and all the people of the city will know which man possesses the ring by the goodness of his life. So go your ways and be kind and be truthful, be brave. Be just in your dealings, and he who does these things will be the owner of the true ring. In other words, have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Each one of us has the opportunity to examine our own life. The text says, if your hand, foot, or eye causes you to stumble, you take care of it. Of course, we will have challenges in this world that leave us bruised and wounded, but we examine ourselves and we make choices that bring life to ourselves and to others. These decisions of getting rid of bad habits and selfish temptations free us to become just a little more like the old salty dog. After his 34-year-old wife, Laura, suffered a devastating asthma attack and later died, Peter DeMarco wrote a letter to the intensive care staff of Cambridge Hospital who cared for her and helped him to cope. I want to share a few excerpts from this rather long letter. He wrote, as I begin to tell my friends and family about the seven days you treated my wife, in what turned out to be the last days of her very young life, 
They stop me at the 15th name that I recall. The list includes the doctors, nurses, respiratory specialists, social workers, and even cleaning staff members who cared for her. How do you remember any of their names, they ask. How could I not, I respond. Every single one of you treated Laura with such professionalism and kindness and dignity as she laid unconscious. When she needed shots, you apologized that it was going to hurt a little, whether or not she could hear you. When you listened to her heart and lungs with your stethoscopes and her gown began to slip, you pulled it up to respectfully cover her. You spread a blanket, not only when her body temperature needed regulating, but when the room felt a little cold and you thought she'd sleep more comfortably that way. Then there was how you treated me. How would I have found the strength to made it through those weeks, that week, without you? How many times did you walk into my room and find me sobbing, my head down, resting on her hand, and quietly going about your task as if willing yourself invisible? How many times did you hug me and console me when I fell to pieces or ask about Laura's life and the person she was, taking time to look at her photos or to read the things that I had written about her? How many times did you, liver, did you deliver bad news with compassionate words and sadness in your eyes. When I smuggled in a very special visitor, Cola, our tuxedo cat, for one final lick of Laura's face, you didn't see a thing. On the final day, as we waited for Laura's organ donor surgery, all I wanted was to be alone with her. In the late afternoon, after family and friends had said their final goodbye, you had shifted Laura to the right side of her bed, leaving just enough room for me to crawl in with her one last time. I nestled my body against hers. She looked so beautiful, and I told her so, stroking her hair and her face. I laid my head on her chest, feeling it rise and fall with each breath, her heartbeat in my ear. It was our last tender moment as a husband and a wife, and it was more natural and pure and comforting than anything I have ever felt. To all those people who were being salt in Peter's world, he signed the letter with my eternal gratitude and love. Friends, Get rid of what causes you to stumble. Have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another, just like the old salty dog.
Friends, this might be a good week to examine ourselves and to begin to remove that which might cause us to stumble. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your hearts so that all might see and believe. And all God's children said, Amen. Thank you.